What's up? Welcome to the Danny Pecan Show, Tuesday, August 18th, 2015. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, the only in-house union screen printer in Boston, specializing in custom uniforms and business apparel. Follow them on Twitter at Beantown underscore dot. Also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Beantown Athletics. You can also follow them on Instagram. Swing by the shop on Granite Ave in Dorchester or give them a call 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. I should also tell you that uh, they shop in skates here as well. I know rinks will be opening soon here in the New England area. So make sure you bring your skates when you do swing by the shop. And again, Tell them that I sent you. Uh, today's podcast coming to you a little later than usual, both today and tomorrow on this Tuesday and tomorrow on Wednesday uh, because I am working for WEEI during the 14th annual Jimmy Fund Radio Telethon. You heard me on there this morning. I was given the uh, sports updates every hour from 6 a.m. up until noon. Uh, you can check me out again tomorrow and make sure you listen to WEEI and watch Nesson for this Jimmy Fund Radio Telethon, but because I am there, uh, I don't get to the studio here in Dorchester until about 1 o'clock, uh, 1.30-ish, and then we fire up the podcast for the day. So for today, Tuesday, and tomorrow, Wednesday, the podcast coming to you a little bit later in the day than usual, but the Jimmy Fund Radio Telethon, it is a great two-day event, and I really do encourage you to make a gift to support the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute you can call 877-738-1234. That's 877-738-1234. Or you can text KCANCER to 20222. That's 20222 for a $10 gift. Also, you can donate at jimmyfund.org. It's all for a tremendous cause as we work together to strike out cancer. We've all been touched by this terrible disease at some point in our lives, whether it's family members or friends. Uh, We've all been touched by it. It's so many touching stories today that you hear during this radio telethon. I'm proud to be a part of the broadcast in a very small capacity. Uh, But again, please uh, make a gift and help strike out cancer. 877-738-738. One two three four, or text K Cancer to two zero two 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 for a ten dollar gift. Also at JimmyFund.org. Of course, when I gave my sports updates, my trending now updates for WEEI today, uh, we learned that Tom Brady was not present for today's practice for the New England Patriots at Gillette Stadium because he will be back in federal court tomorrow for the second public deflategate settlement hearing in New York City. And uh, this is something that I touched upon on yesterday's podcast and even really last week when we first heard that Judge Richard Berman had said he is not requiring Tom. It's, they weren't required to be there. They're not required to be there. Tom Brady, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, according to Judge Richard Berman, he is not making them show up for this second public settlement hearing tomorrow. He said you don't have to come if you don't want to. And it basically opened the door for someone like Tom Brady to travel with his team this afternoon to West Virginia to take part in joint practices with the New Orleans Saints 
tomorrow and on Thursday in preparation for the training camp game, or excuse me, preseason game on Saturday night. They participated in it. This is joint practices. It is training camp. You want to call it a training camp game, you can go, you can, you can call the joint practices a training camp game, but Saturday night is a preseason game, and it's the Patriots' second preseason game. Um, but, you know, Tom Brady will not participate in these joint practices, and I, I've said this really all along from the moment that Judge Richard Berman came out and said Tom Brady and Roger Goodell, they don't have to be there on this Wednesday, August 19th, for the second hearing. I told you that I think they should both go. As much as the joint practices mean to the New England Patriots, which we've heard from Bill Belichick, we know that he's even implied that they're more important than the preseason game that follows it, right? The joint practices are very important to Bill Belichick. They're very important to the New England Patriots. And I'm not trying to tell you that they're not important to Tom Brady when I told you that he should be in the courtroom on Wednesday. What I am trying to tell you is, though, that Tom Brady's trying to fight to play in the regular season and not be suspended for four games. And basically trying to tell you that regular season games are more important than anything that happens in training camp or preseason. It is. It is. And as, as important as these joint practices are to the Patriots and Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, the regular season games mean more. And if you're going to go all in, which it looks like the NFLPA, Jeffrey Kessler, D. Smith, Tom Brady, it looks like they are, how do you go all in, take it this far, and then when the judge says for the final settlement hearing that the player in question here doesn't have to show up, how do you get to the point where the player then says, okay, fine, I won't show? That wouldn't make any sense. I told you that Tom Brady should be there and by the reports that we're hearing today with Tom Brady not at practice at Gillette Stadium, he was not present. Uh, the reports following that immediately were that it's because it is related uh, to the settlement hearing tomorrow in New York City. And Tom Brady reportedly will be there. And he should be. Now, once we heard that news, you asked the question, what about Roger? What about Roger Goodell? What's going to happen with him? Is he going to be there? And I told you that I, I think Goodell will be there. Because if the NFL was going to go into this at all, if I'm Roger Goodell, and that's what I do, I try to put myself in, in, each, in everybody's shoes, in the shoes of both sides, and I say, if I'm Goodell, I'm saying, okay, well, with the judge not requiring us to be there, it opens the door for Tom Brady to say, hey, I'll travel with my team, and I'll take part in joint practices because they're important. And if I'm Goodell, I say, he can go do that, and I'll show up, and it'll make me look better than, better than Tom Brady. And at least in the judge's eyes, and at this point, that's all that matters. What Judge Richard Berman thinks, right? What what can happen and go down in a court of law. So I would like, you know, if if I'm Goodell or if I'm the NFL, I'm saying, if you're not going to settle, you you better be there. All right? You better show up. Now, I'm reading from Albert Breer, the NFL Network, who was a guest on this show last week. Uh, He tweeted out, that NFL PR man, Brian McCarthy, says, quote, we are not going to comment on our attendees in advance of tomorrow's hearing. So he's basically saying, hey, we're not going to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to keep it a secret. I don't know why they're going to keep it a fucking secret, because common sense would tell you that, well, if Roger Goodell wasn't planning on going to the hearing, he has to be there now. 
Because how bad would he look now? Like, at least Tom Brady has the, would have the excuse of, hey, the season's begun. You should have never dragged it out to this point, and I need to be with my team. Because if this thing doesn't get cut down to either two-game suspension or no-game suspension, then, you know, I still need to play this season after the, after the suspension, whatever it is. And I need to play with this team, and I need to prepare. This is training camp. This is what my life is. At least Brady has that excuse. What is, what's Roger Goodell's excuse? Like, what would his excuse be? Well, you know what? I had a tea time uh, at 1030 that day, and it was just something that I – it was just something I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get away from. Or he has a very important meeting with uh, – what, what? I have a very important meeting with Coca-Cola. We have to really lock them down into a deal. I need to be there for it. No, 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 no. This is, Roger Goodell needs to be there tomorrow. And I think he needed to be there regardless of what Tom Brady does. But now, especially, that since Tom Brady is, is going, we know he's going, Goodell absolutely needs to be there. It's not even a question. So I don't care what the NFL says or what the PR man says. I, I'd be shocked if Roger Goodell is not there. He should be there tomorrow. And I told you the last couple of days, Brady should be there as well. And we are hearing that he will be in attendance. Now, for the people that get all excited about these settlement hearings, and tomorrow again, as I told you, I'll be on WEI providing the uh, trending now updates from 6 a.m. to noon, and then I'll get in here to the studio to record a podcast later in the afternoon, uh, probably around 2.30, 3 o'clock. Uh, we'll, we'll start recording tomorrow, and by then, we will know uh, just exactly what has gone down, I think, in that room. We just won't be getting it live like we got it last week. Because last week, you know, I told you to follow. Well, actually, I told you because El Prez from Boston Sports told, told us all to follow Stephen Brown, Manhattan federal court reporter for the New York Daily News. And I followed him. And it was the best tip that I've ever received, to be honest with you. Because I was sitting there in my studio at Beantown Athletics. And I'm watching the live tweet by tweet, shall we call it, from this reporter on the Deflategate settlement hearing, the first one, the first public one. And it was great. But the bad news is that we're not going to get that. According to Stephen Brown, that same Manhattan federal court reporter for the New York Daily News, there will be no live tweeting tomorrow. Why? Because no phones are going to be allowed in the room. None. You can't bring a phone in the room. Nobody. And in any room. That's involved in, 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 with what's going on. Even if you're in a side room that might have speakers, I don't know. You can't even have a phone in there. So, but I, I, I assume that there'll be notes. I assume that there'll be some type of transcript. And I assume that stuff will be coming out once this thing is said and done. But it won't be live. We're not going to get any of this stuff live. I don't think. At least that's what we're being told. Unless someone gets sneaky as fuck in there and is a real creep. And it's going to somehow give us, leak us some information. I don't know how we're going to get it. But if, I tell you what, if you, if you are getting information tomorrow, and I'm sure I'll be all over Twitter because I'll be uh, in the New Balance building for WEI all morning. But if you're paying attention to this tomorrow, you know, maybe give me a tip as to who to follow if somebody is leaking that stuff out. I'm actually, I'm reading a tweet here right now, and it's a, it's a live tweet, and it's... It's, it's coming from, again, Albert Breer, NFL Network, who was on the show last week, who has very good sources in this league, and he tweets out three minutes ago, per source, 
with settlement talks at a standstill, the judge, Judge Richard Berman, has informed Patriots quarterback Tom Brady there's no need for him to be there tomorrow. Huh. This is after we've heard that Tom Brady missed practice, after I just told you that Tom Brady is being reported, he will show up tomorrow. The judge is saying there's no need for him to be there tomorrow. Now, here's the deal. That might say, that might, you know, some people might look at that and say, well, all right, fine, great, he can go now to practice. No, you know what? Fuck that. Tom Brady should still go. He should say, no, I want to be there. I want to go. I want to see what's going on. Regular season games are more important. I'm more important than than any practice that I'm going to I'm going to be a part of this weekend. And not to knock the practice, we need to figure this out. Tom Brady should say if the, if the judge tells him he doesn't have to go, Tom Brady still still needs to say, "No, no, 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 no. I'm going. I'm going to be there." You know what? There's nothing you can do. Like I don't First of all, he he said he the, at first the judge said Tom Brady doesn't have to be there. Now after we hear that Brady says, hey, guess what? I'm still going. The judge is now telling Brady, well, again, uh, there's no need for you to be there tomorrow. Well, Tom Brady says, actually, he should say, actually, Your Honor, uh, there is a need. And the need is because this is a suspension for me, and I need to see how this thing's playing out, and I need to see with my own eyes. So I would still go. This stuff's coming out. I would still go if I'm Tom Brady. We'll see what happens. We'll keep an eye on it. Whatever does happen tomorrow inside that courtroom and whatever news comes out of it I will react to it on this podcast again in the afternoon probably later than usual today and tomorrow because uh, I am working uh, with the Jimmy Fund Radio Telethon on WEI and I'm not complaining about that I'm, I'm happy to help out I'm happy to be a very small part of that uh, tremendous cause again um, make sure you call 877-738-1234 or text K Cancer to 20222. They've been plugging it out all day. I'll be plugging it out all day. On You can hear it on this show, on Twitter, on Facebook, you name it. Um, make sure I really do encourage you uh, to do that. You can also go to jimmyfund.org. So when I'm done with that tomorrow, I'll be back here in the studio. We'll react to this uh, settlement hearing, and, and I can't wait till we get uh, a settlement whenever it comes. I don't expect it to come tomorrow or tomorrow night. But maybe what we do learn tomorrow is, all right, Judge Berman has had some more time uh, to sit on this thing, to think about this thing. Both sides have had more time to think about this thing. I don't expect the NFL or the NFL PA to back down from the stand, the stand that they're taking. They, look, they have their foot down in the dirt, and they are going. I mean, it, they are sticking to their guns on this one. And I guess I'll be curious to know, going into this tomorrow, what Judge Richard Berman thinks of Jeffrey Kessler's latest submission that he submitted on Friday that basically called Goodell a liar. Um, He called Goodell's decision to uphold the suspension a propaganda piece. He called the whole Wells Report a smear campaign. I'm curious to know, given the fact that the judge really wanted these both of these sides to come together and get a deal done, there's no way that Kessler's there's no way that Kessler's submission on Friday helped that cause. So I wonder what Berman thinks about that, right? As a judge who was pushing for some type of settlement instead of him having to make a decision. Now, what he might do is tomorrow is, I wouldn't say whisper in a side's ear, but he might basically make it a point to say, okay, this is the side that I'm taking. And 
I'm going to hint to you guys now, sort of unofficially, that if you don't come to a settlement, I'm going to, this is going to be the result of my decision. So what you can do in the meantime, the other side is you might want to come down. Okay? But then at the same time, if the one side is to hint that he's going to rule in their favor, why would they settle on anything? At least what I got from the last settlement hearing is that the judge is siding with Tom Brady in the NFLPA. Based on the fact that he kept saying, I'm having a tough time finding any direct evidence that links Brady to Deflategate. And the NFL, their lawyer, Daniel Nash, even confirmed such. He, he said, we don't have such direct evidence in this case. And in a court of law, that's not going to win you shit. <laughs> okay? So, uh, we'll react. I'll react to that yesterday. Other football news, actually, I guess this story is Deflategate related as well. New York Giants owner John Mara, he wants Deflategate to end. And, and I've talked about this many times, how there need to be owners that need to step up and, you know, have some balls and come after Goodell. And I don't know that John Mara is specifically coming after Goodell with this, with, with this conversation he had with Mike Francesa on w, WFAN in New York. But here's what New York Giants owner uh, John Mara said. He says, quote, I just want it to be over with one way or the other. We're all tired of hearing about it, end quote. I, you know, I don't know that that's him saying, Goodell, let's go, what are you doing? Specifically, but at least to hear that sentiment from an owner, I think is strong. And I think the more owners come out that sort of speak up against how long this Deflategate case has gone on and how far we've, we've gotten with this and the fact that Tom Brady's personal emails are released, right, and that we're still in court and the season's about to begin and we still don't know if Tom Brady, what week he's going to play in, right? Um, you know, I, I think the more this goes on, other owners are going to, and as we already heard the report from the Providence Journal, some owners are uncomfortable with the fact that we're still talking about this. And obviously, John Mara is coming out and saying he's uncomfortable with this still being a story. He just doesn't want to hear about it anymore. The problem is we're going to keep hearing about it as long as it still lives. As long as it still lives on. So, sure, there might be some owners that are in Goodell's ear saying, go after the Patriots, go after the Patriots, go after the Patriots. But there have to also be some owners that start speaking out. And maybe this is the beginning of many owners as we get near the regular season that hopefully publicly can can say, look, I'm not going to attack one side or the other, but the bottom line is this. This is about air pressure in football, and we've taken this way too far. And the fact that our commissioner would let us take this story this far into the following season is not a good business strategy, right? The more owners that come out and, and sort of, react the way John Mara reacted with Mike Francesa yesterday, I think is a good thing for the people like myself that want Roger Goodell to go. Roger Goodell's got to go, but it's going to take a whole lot of owners really to, to start, having, start showing us some balls here and speaking out about how far the commissioner has let this thing go. So uh, John Mara, I, I like those comments. I like hearing from him on that. He wants it to end. So does everybody else except for Roger Goodell, seemingly, and the National Football League. <laughs> but as we know, part of that fight on the NFL side are the owners in the NFL. To hear some owners are tired of, uh, of talking or hearing about the Flategate, one, I don't blame them. Two, it's a good thing to hear 
for people that hate Roger Goodell, like myself. So we'll keep an eye on the story. And uh, speaking of New York Giants and Giants owner John Mara, well, I don't know what type of check he's going to sign for Eli Manning, but a report today is that Eli Manning wants to become the highest-paid NFL player. Not quarterback, player. Highest-paid NFL player. Now, quarterbacks, for the most part, are the highest-paid NFL players, but Eli Manning wants to be the highest. Now, this comes just days after Phillip Rivers, San Diego Chargers quarterback, signs a deal that gets him the most guaranteed money of any current NFL player currently under contract. You look at the Phillip Rivers contract, $65 million guaranteed. Again, the most of any NFL player currently under contract. Just so happens to be that quarterbacks are among uh, the, the current contracts that top that list. Phillip Rivers at $65 million guaranteed. Then it's Ben Roethlisberger at 64 mil guaranteed. Russell Wilson, 61.5 million guaranteed. Colin Kaepernick, 61 million guaranteed. Cam Newton, 60 million guaranteed. You know, Eli Manning, he's looking at some contracts here. He's obviously looking at Phillip Rivers. And you know the whole story, Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, taken in the draft in 2004. Uh, San Diego Chargers take Eli Manning with the number one overall pick. Eli his father, they control where he wants to play. I never agreed with that idea, but that's the way it went down. And uh, the Chargers, they ended up having to make the trade with the New York Giants, who had the number four pick. Uh, and the Giants, who there, you know, Phillip Rivers was taken fourth and ends up going to San Diego. Eli goes to the Giants. So there's a connection there with, with Phillip Rivers getting his contract. And, and the most guaranteed money out of any player in the NFL, Eli says, hey, I want that. I want that. Now, if you want to look at average annual value, um, Aaron Rodgers, $22 million. That tops the market with regards to average annual value at $22 million. Then you get Russell Wilson at $21.9 million with his new contract, Roethlisberger averages 21.85 mil. Um, and then Rivers and Cam Newton at 20.81 mil and 20.76 mil, respectively, after their extensions. Uh, Eli Manning, he is under the, he's in the final year of his current contract, which is going to get him, what, $17 million in base salary this season. So Eli's got a couple numbers he's looking at. The $22 million average per year that, that Aaron Rodgers is – Getting and also the guaranteed money that Philip Rivers just signed for, which is 65 mil. Now, um, a lot of people are rolling their eyes at this. They're saying, Who the fuck is Eli Manning to come out and all of a sudden say, Hey, I want to be the highest paid player in the National Football League? I get that. I'm with you. Do I think Eli Manning, you know, if you lined, lined them up against the wall? Now, if I line them all up against the wall, all the players in the NFL. Most of the players that you take with your first pick are going to be quarterbacks. And I'm not talking about fantasy football and value and what round in a point system. I'm talking about to win you football games and, more importantly, win you championships. You know, we get wrapped up in this fantasy football discussion that, to be honest, I'm trying to distance myself from when it comes to this Eli Manning conversation and does he deserve to be the highest paid player in the National Football League? Well, the answer to that question is no. But... As we are seeing, you know, the guys 
the names that I just gave you with guaranteed contracts, the highest guarantees in a, with NFL players currently in a contract, or highest quarterbacks, average annual value. You know, Aaron Rodgers, we're talking Phillip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, Russell Wilson, Colin Kaepernick, Cam Newton. Notice that I don't mention Tom Brady or Peyton Manning's name at all, right? So there are people out there that will say, look at this. If you're going to give, if you're going to make one of the Mannings the highest paid player in the NFL, it probably should be Peyton over Eli, right? Now, Eli's obviously younger. Eli has more years left in the tank, right? He has more left in the tank. Eli Manning, what is he, 34 years old? Yeah, 34 Turns 35 in January, okay? So, you know, Eli, he, I, I think he's going to get that, that one last big contract. And, you know, I'm going to put the fantasy stuff aside. I know people are all jacked up about their fantasy football drafts, this and that, and I, I do have one. And there's actually, my fantasy football draft, there's one little, there's one thing that they're talking about, and I, I hate this idea. And I get that it's entertaining to people to do this, but they're trying to figure out, the people in my draft, friends of mine, they're trying to figure out what to do for the team that comes in last place, right? And, and I guess that should be motivation to not come in last place. So I guess it keeps everybody interested for the entire season, even if your fantasy team is down and out early on. Like if you go 0-4 in the first four weeks and you say, shit, this sucks, and, and you move on, and you end up stop paying attention, and all of a sudden, you got a playoff race, and the team that you're playing gets an easy win because you ended up playing somebody who had a bye in week eight because you weren't paying attention. You know, the, the goal is to make that team not want to finish in last place so they don't give up on the season. I can understand that. But here's what we're talking about in my league currently. And I didn't know this until, was it yesterday or two days ago, I was at the gym and I saw one of my buddies and I was asking him, you know, we're trying to figure out the date of the draft, which is a whole other conversation because it's tough to do. We do it, everybody in the same room. You're trying to get everybody at the same night, the same time, and it's tough because everybody has different work schedules and different things that they're doing. So it's a tough thing to do. And, you know, I asked him, I said, when's the draft? And he says, well, it might be next week. We're trying to figure out the date still, let you know. But, uh, you know, have you heard what we're thinking about with the last place team and the punishment that would come with coming in last place? And I said, no, I, I haven't. And he says, well, it's, it, it, this, here's what we would do. If you're in last place, you know, we all go out, we all have a good time, everybody's drinking, taking shots, and, and then we, we send the last place fantasy owner to Logan Airport. We bring him to Logan Airport. And the rest of the league at this point has already purchased a plane ticket for that last place fantasy owner. The last place fantasy owner, though, has no fucking idea where he's going until he gets on the plane. (laughs) And at that point, you got to go, when you land, figure out your hotel situation, stay for a couple nights, and uh, that would be the punishment for coming in last. Now, I can tell you this. I hate that idea because I have not been very good in fantasy football the last couple years, and I can tell you one thing I cannot afford to do is take a random trip somewhere in the country 
to a place that's unknown. Now, Dan, by the way, it would never be, you'd never get sent to like San Diego or anywhere in Florida, right? You'd never get sent somewhere nice. Let's be honest. And I'm not going to start throwing out places in the country that aren't nice because I realize that I have people to listen to this show that aren't just from New England area or, or even the East Coast. So, you know, this is a podcast. This is available everywhere. I'm not going to start knocking cities and areas or towns that suck that I wouldn't want to be flown to randomly. But let's face it, there are a whole lot of places that you could be sent that you don't want to get off a plane and say, fuck, this is where they sent me and I have to spend two nights by myself? And it would be brutal. I mean, it would be awful. Nobody's sending you to San Diego. No one's sending you to Miami. Uh, Nobody's sending you to L.A. That's not happening. You know, they're not going to send you, put you in a nice suite in Toronto. Uh, you know, it's not, it, that's not going to go down. It's not going to go down like that. So uh, I, I'm against that. I'm against it. Because I know that I'm going to be the guy on that fucking plane. I, I know that. Uh, and, and one, I can't afford it. You have to pay for the, for the hotel and shit when you get there yourself. Two, you know, I, the work, my work schedule is random. I... On the radio weekends, I do TV weeknights, uh, it's random weeknights. I have this podcast every weekday. You know, I have a column I need to write. I, I have there's some other partnerships I need to, to take take care of with things. So it's it never ends. I mean, my and I know I'd be the guy that would have to take time off, and I don't want to have to take a random vacation to go to a place that I don't want to go to. Right. So I don't like that idea, but that's what we're thinking about doing. Apparently, I think it should be something a little bit. Should I say nicer than that? <laughs> it's, I don't want to do that. But uh, I guess it'll keep me motivated to keep playing. And maybe I'm the one they'll be concerned about, so maybe they will hear this and go through with that. I don't know. I hope not. Maybe I just won't show up to the fucking draft. How's that? How's, how's that for leverage? <laughs> uh, but speaking of fantasy, and sorry I went on that little rant, but back to Eli Manning. You know, I'm going to try to put the fantasy football stats aside for a second to have this conversation, does Eli Manning deserve to be the highest paid player in the National Football League? I think we all know the answer to that. It's no. But I will say this. When you're Eli Manning and you're 34 years old and you know this is your biggest con- your last big contract and this is the la- you're playing out the last year of your deal, okay, this coming season, is this is the last year that begins right now. You want an extension. You know this is the last big deal you're going to get. Right? You look around the league. You know, the guy that, you, that was involved in that crazy 2004 draft with you and Phillip Rivers just got a huge contract. He's making the most guaranteed money out of any NFL player that's currently on a contract in the National Football League. And Phillip Rivers, 65 mil guaranteed. Okay? He looks around... He sees some of the names on that list. Uh, and again, but he's just going to point to the top name. That's what he's going to do. Eli Manning is not crazy. You know, because there's a lot of people going, how could he do that? You know, if you want to even, if you, you can't even get out of the Manning family without saying Eli shouldn't be the highest paid Manning. It should be Peyton. But look at it this way. The reality is Philip Rivers is now basically 
Uh, get away from annual value for a minute. I'm talking guaranteed money because we know that is all that matters with contracts in the National Football League. Guaranteed money. That's all that matters. All right? So Eli's going to say, this guy is getting 65 mil guaranteed. It's the highest in National Football League. I want more than that. I want 70 mil guaranteed. And people will say Eli's nuts. They'll look at the numbers. They'll say he doesn't deserve it. They'll look at the Giants the last couple of years. They say he doesn't deserve that. They'll look at two years ago. I mean, for crying out loud, he had 18 touchdown passes and threw 27 interceptions. How all of a sudden, two years later, can this guy demand the most money in the league? Sure, all of that is crazy on its own merit. But part of this thing is looking at the market. And, and you, you are stupid if you're Eli Manning and you're not trying to take advantage of the market that's out there. And the market that's out there is the guy that was taken in the very same draft as you, that was traded, that you basically forced to trade to New York. Eli was taken number one overall, and, and they forced to trade him and his father to the Giants. And he's saying, look, I was picked before this guy. And also... He's in that negotiation room, or at least his agent is, and he's saying, you tell me what the $65 million man Philip Rivers has ever won in this league. What's he won? And you know what? The Giants' answer to that will be nothing. Philip Rivers has won nothing in this league. And then Eli Manning's agent's going to go, and what has my client Eli Manning won? And the Giants are going to have to look at each other in that room, and they're going to have to go... Couple Super Bowls. <laughs> Not just one, two. And his agent is all of a sudden not going to sound so crazy. Sure, on its own merit, Eli Manning, come on. Highest paid player in the league, please. But based on the contracts that are getting dished out to quarterbacks and the contract that just got dished out to Phillip Rivers, guess what? Eli Manning isn't that crazy. In fact, he's crazy if he doesn't go into that negotiation room saying, ha, 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 ha. I want to be the highest paid player because I need to make more than Philip Rivers, guaranteed. Because my resume, we're the same age, we've been in the league the same amount of years, uh, and my resume speaks for itself when you stack Philip Rivers and his 65 mil guaranteed up against my resume and my two Super Bowl championships, okay? It, it, what, what Eli's camp is going to do in that negotiation room is... They are going to play the market for what it's worth. And what it's worth is that quarterbacks are obviously making the most money. And what it's worth is that Eli Manning has had more success in the National Football League than Phillip Rivers. And if you lined Rivers and Manning up against the wall and you had to win one game tomorrow, who would you take? I'm talking one game, big game, playoff game. Who are you taking? You know, you're going to get your people that, that will say, I'll take Phillip Rivers. You'll get some. And I know you probably say, I don't want either of them, right? Unless, yeah, obviously, Giants fans will take Manning, Chargers fans. Yeah, you might get some Chargers fans that say, we'd, you know, we'd take Eli. It won't, be, it won't be 100% Eli, though. But if you ask me, I'd say Eli Manning. And I'd say that because he's won a couple championships. And I know there was some fluky things going on in those Super Bowl games. But let's face it, you know, you got to win some big-time playoff games just to get to the Super Bowl. And Eli Manning's been able to do that in two seasons. And then when he gets to there, he's won them both. Right? You can't just ignore that. And if Eli Manning and his agent were just going to ignore that, going into this negotiation, 
They'd be stupid. People say he's crazy asking for it. When you actually break it down and look at what's been given out to other players like Phillip Rivers just days ago, no. Eli Manning's not stupid asking for the most money in the National Football League. That just is the market, and that is the market that they would be stupid not to play. They'd be stupid not to bring up that contract, and they'd be stupid not to sit there and go, hey, if Phillip Rivers is going to make 65 mil guaranteed, we want 70. We want 23 annual, and we want 70 guaranteed. That's it. And look, you line all the quarterbacks up against the wall, you are not, you line all the players up against the wall in the NFL, and you say, give me your top choice. Eli Manning's not getting picked first. You kidding me? But that, but that's not, but that's not, rea- that's not the reality of the market that is being set by teams who are overpaying quarterbacks that aren't as good as the Tom Brady's and the Peyton Mannings, right? That's just it. Because teams know they need to do everything that they can. You need a quarterback in this league to win. If you don't, you will lose, and you will you, you will continue to lose for years to come until you have a QB. I don't give a fuck what you got in the organization. All right, I don't care. You can give the rest of your team steroids, HGH, masking agents so that they don't fail the test. But if you have a scrub quarterback in the National Football League, you won't win. You won't win. You won't win division. You won't, if you get a wild card, you won't win your playoff game in the wild card round. Sorry, you won't win in this league without a quarterback. So you got teams that have quarterbacks that are saying, okay, look. If we can build some other things around, if we can build some type of defense here to go along with this QB, sure, he's not the best QB in the league, but if we get rid of this guy, where are we going to improve? So we need to overpay, okay? Chargers overpaid for Phillip Rivers. Of course they did. And if you're Eli Manning and his agent, you know that, but you're not going to ask for less than him. Why would you? Who's achieved more in the NFL, in their careers, in the same number of years? Eli Manning has. So, it's not so crazy when you break it down as to what Eli Manning is asking for. It's not. We'll keep an eye on it. That's for sure. We'll keep an eye on the moving on from football on the Boston Red Sox. That's what I do here locally. I know the Red Sox suck. I know they're not going to the playoffs. But I watched last night because I was curious to see what Matt Bonds who made his first Major League start last night. Now, it wasn't his Major League debut. He's been coming out of the pen. He has not been very good coming out of the pen. It's, and I know he throws mid-90s, can get the fastball up, but sometimes it's Meatball City. It's way too predictable, and it's right down the pipe. It's not going to fly in this league. What we learned once again last night, though, is that Matt Bonds, he struggles out of the stretch. You know, when, when a guy's on base and he has to all of a sudden pitch from the stretch... He can't do it. At least he can't do it effectively. Red Sox lose last night to the Indians 8-2. to Matt Bonds, again, can't pitch out of the stretch, but his left fielder isn't giving him any fucking help. Hanley Ramirez in left field last night in the fourth inning, okay, goes back at a ball. You know, Matt Bonds is in a jam. He needs to get a big out. He needs his left fielder to make a big play. And you know what? I, all right, well, maybe it wasn't routine, but it wasn't, it wasn't difficult. It wasn't difficult. It wasn't routine, but it wasn't difficult. Please, Hanley Ramirez goes back, and we've seen this. Look, he's a terrible left fielder. But he does look better you know, on the road in opposing ballparks 
than he does in front of that green monster. That big wall on the left at Fenway, that scares the shit out of Hanley Ramirez. And you combine that with really his, his sort of the laziness that oozes off of him a lot. Not all the times, but a lot. That laziness that oozes off of him, you know, combined with that, that green monster in left. I mean, it, it, it just made for an ugly fourth inning last night because he goes back for a ball that he should have caught and he completely misses. It looked like he thought he was going to be crashing into the wall. He got a terrible jump on it. One, two, he got scared of the wall. He didn't make the play. And it's just one of the many awful plays uh, that he's made in left field or, or, or hasn't been able to make in left field this season. And, and it cost him in that fourth inning. And all of a sudden, yeah, floodgates open. Indians win it 8-2 to two last night. Hanley needed to make that catch. And we're trying to figure out what this Red Sox team is going to look like in 2016. And I've been sitting there saying all along, hey, you got to get him out of the outfield. Now, earlier this season, I wrote a column for the Boston Metro in which I told you that Hanley's bat was going to do enough talking where maybe his struggles in the outfield wouldn't hurt this team as much. But the bottom line is this. I was wrong. But, I, look, I never said that he wouldn't struggle in the outfield. I, I, I almost accepted that, but I accepted it because I thought he would hit. Okay? I accepted it because I thought Hanley Ramirez would be a guy that will come into the season and hit better than 263. I did. Uh, you know, for a while there in the first half, he led the team home runs, led the team in RBIs. And I'm saying, all right, this is a guy that, that could still be the leader of this offense Enough to the point where we could accept a couple bad plays in the outfield, right? And, you know, it, it, we, sure, there might be some that hurt him, but he'd end up coming back and helping them with his bat. And he hasn't done that the way I thought he would. So in that sense, I'm wrong. And if you're the Red Sox now, you've got to reevaluate Hanley, not just in the field, but also offensively, okay? Because to me, I don't think you answer all the questions by just moving him to the infield. I think you have questions about his bat. Can he hit here? Is he the offensive player you thought he was going to be? Um, but first things first, you've got to get him out of the outfield. All right? You've got to. I don't think you put him at first, though. You're obviously not putting him at second. You're obviously not putting him at short. Bogart's at your shortstop. Pedroia is his second baseman when he returns and comes back for next season. But you traded Napoli, so you have first open. And look, Travis Shaw looks good. Not sure I'm sitting here ready to commit to Travis Shaw long-term just yet. I'm sorry, I'm just not there. If you, if you won't be able to get, if you're not going to trade Hanley, and you're not going to trade Sandoval, and I don't know what they're going to do with him. Maybe they try to move one, maybe they try to move both, maybe they can't move either. Maybe they don't try to move him, maybe they try to give him one more year. If they do give him one more year, Hanley and Pablo are both in a Red Sox uniform in 2016. I guess my issue would be you can't have Hanley at first base. Why? Because all of a sudden, you're asking Hanley Ramirez to be part of a lot of plays. <laughs> right? And I'm not talking about ground balls that you have to dive to uh, or that you have to comment on and then toss to the pitcher. I'm talking about just catching the ball at first base, scooping balls out of the dirt. As a first baseman, you're in a lot of plays in every baseball game. Do we want Hanley Ramirez, do we want to take him from left field and all of a sudden 
all of a sudden put him in even more plays in the field? <laughs> have, have the ball going to him more times than it was in left field? I don't think I want to do that. In fact, I know I don't want to do that. So I'm putting Hanley at third, and I'm putting Pablo at first. I don't know if that's a position Pablo wants to play, but guess what? At this stage of the game, somebody's going to need to make a sacrifice to get Hanley out of the outfield. And that's the sacrifice you're going to have to make. It is. But last night, Hanley Ramirez, man, that was as, uh, that was as bad an attempt at a ball that I have seen in a long time. And you could say it cost him the game last night. You could. I know this Red Sox team isn't playing for much, but it's just that play there last night in the fourth inning, Hanley going back for that ball, it just it tells the story of the 2015 Boston Red Sox. It does. It does. So, wrapping up the show on this Tuesday afternoon. Uh, it is SummerSlam week, too, by the way. I'm working on a special wrestling guest later in the week. SummerSlam is at the Barclays Center in New York City. It is Sunday night. Uh, I told you yesterday's podcast that this week for shows may be shortened. I was supposed to be going away later in the week, but it turns out I might not be anymore. So I, I might be here five days a week. I, most likely, now it's looking like I will. And if that is the case, Friday, hopefully we'll do a big SummerSlam preview. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. and get a special guest that I'm working on right now, working for. Uh, but today on SportsCenter, how about this? Brock Lesnar on ESPN SportsCenter once again. Lesnar's been on ESPN a lot lately. And I know he was a, a, a former UFC champ. But he was throwing daggers today on, on ESPN. He was throwing bombs. They were talking to him about how Dana White, obviously Brock Lesnar's former boss at UFC, they asked Brock Lesnar about Dana White, how he came out and said something along the lines of how wrestling is fake. And Brock Lesnar didn't, didn't dispute that. He didn't argue with that. He says, yeah, you know what? It is predetermined wrestling, and UFC isn't. But then Brock Lesnar, you know, there is part of him that took that personal. Because he then goes on to say, and, and I love this quote, he says, he starts praising Vince McMahon. I thought it was great. Because, you know, I always sit here and praise good old Vince McMahon, right? Always. I think the guy's a fucking genius. And I think he thinks about six years down the road, when people are looking at storylines now, and they're saying, where are they leading to? Vince McMahon knows. He's thinking five, six years down the road. And... You know, I think this, this whole storyline here with Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker is an example of them thinking a couple years down the road, right? So, basically, Brock Lesnar says, Vince McMahon is better than Dana White at what he does. And then he goes on to say, and that might rub Dana the wrong way. It's a, it's a shot at Dana White, of course, but it's also high praise for the guy in charge in the WWE, and that's Vince McMahon. He's basically saying, hey, they're both in the promoting business, both, both in the promotion world, Dana White, Vince McMahon, and Dana White's a little upset that Vince is just much better uh, at what he does. Vince is better at what he does than Dana White is. And, and Brock said it, and I agree with him. So I'll be watching SummerSlam on Sunday. I will do a little preview of it leading in. This is, a, this is SummerSlam week, we'll call it, and I'm working on uh, a wrestling guest for later this week. Week, but all eyes tomorrow will be on this settlement hearing 
We're expecting Tom Brady to be in attendance. I told you he should be. And, uh, look, I expect Roger Goodell to be in attendance too. I don't care what the judge says. I don't care if he tells me, you know what, guys, you don't have to be there. In fact, you being there won't change anything. I think they both still should go. If these guys are going to fight it and take this as, as far as they've taken it, they've shown that they are all in. You need to show up. If you're all in, you need to show up. Brady's all in. He'll show up. Goodell looks like he's all in. I'm pretty sure he'll be there as well. So after that settlement hearing tomorrow, I will break it down and react on this very podcast. And once again, make sure you tune in to WEI and Nesson all day later today and tonight, uh, overnight into the morning uh, and all day tomorrow uh, for the 14th annual Jimmy Fund Radio Telethon. And I encourage you to make a gift to support the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, 877-738-1234. That's 877-738-1234. Also online at jimmyfund.org and text KCANCER to 20222 for a $10 gift. So um, it's it's a tremendous two-day event. And again, I encourage you, to make a gift to support it. Uh, I'm here five days a week, dannypicard.com. You can subscribe to the Danny Picard Show on iTunes. Tune in, Stitcher, really anywhere that you can get a podcast. I'm out. Talk to you tomorrow.